This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's just coming up to 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. First up, we're looking into reports that tons of e-waste is being illegally imported into Malaysia. So... Uh, this was reported actually on Malaysia Kini, and um, yesterday they in yesterday in an article they found that more than one thousand containers with tons of e-waste are illegally imported monthly and processed in Malaysia, um, and this of course results in a whole host of problems, not the least of which is the pollution potentially of our land, air, water. Um, so I think it's important to maybe set us set this up by looking at this in terms of. I think maybe two separate lenses, because one is the problem of e-waste and what it means for there to be so many uh, or so much of it coming into our country. Uh, And the second is the illegal aspect, right? What does it mean for it to be coming into our country illegally and then being processed Illegally, And so those two things are kind of the main thrusts of the story. So when we say tons, we're not speaking metaphorically. It's a literal measurement of the amount that's uh, been coming in, right? Uh, so sources within the customs department have confirmed that many of these shipments, to your point about how they make it in here, so these shipments are often declared simply as scrap or as other permissible goods, and so they slip under the radar. And according to people in the industry, there are at least 200 plants that recycle this illegal e-waste. The bulk of it comes from the U.S., Japan, Germany, and the UK. Um, And this is something that we've actually heard about in various forms, right, with other kinds of waste as well. The fact being that this sort of low-value waste is sorted for processing here in Malaysia, uh, and then high-value waste is sent back to China, where it's accepted because it's less harmful to process. Malaysia really gets nothing from these transactions, despite being involved in this business, and instead... Basically, we're left with the refuse refuse material that contains harmful chemicals, which then leads to the sort of pollution that you mentioned earlier. Um, So we're going to try and understand the situation and really what needs to be done to deal with it. Let us know. Are you worried about this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be speaking with Mohammad El Fatatri, who is founder and founder and managing hero at Earth. So keep it here on the evening edition, BFM eighty nine point nine. Because freedom matters, BFM. 89.9. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about reports of tons of illegal e-waste being imported into our country. Uh, so we're going to find out what it means and what the impact of that is. Let us know. Are you worried about this? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Mohammad El Fatatri, founder and managing hero at Earth. They're a company that specializes in the collection and management of e-waste. Mo, thanks for speaking with us today. So tons of e-waste is reportedly being smuggled into Malaysia on a monthly basis. We wanted to start by getting your response to that. Of course, uh, I took this news uh, with a lot of sadness. I think it is not a good idea for humanity to uh, send waste around, uh, ship it to other countries and uh, developed countries dumping their e-waste to uh, developing countries. Uh, I think that this is uh, quite a shame. Uh, And I think the legal framework globally uh, is already well established that prevents this kind of thing, um, where the recipient country needs to agree before 
the waste uh, is being shipped in the first place. Uh, clearly, this didn't happen here. Uh, so it is uh, definitely uh, illegal. Uh, and and, and I, I don't see it in, a, in any positive way. So let's get back to basics then. Uh, what constitutes e-waste? E-waste is basically uh, discarded electronic material. Uh, so this could be uh, wires, batteries, uh, uh, laptops, computers, uh, all the way to uh, um, uh, fridges, uh, aircon, aircon, electric vehicles, etc. So any uh, device uh, that carries electricity uh, and then uh, it has uh, reached the end of its life. So uh, it is no longer useful. It's considered e-waste. Mo, help us paint a mental picture of the scale that we're talking about, right? The scale of waste that's coming through. How would you describe the size of 100 tons of e-waste? What would that look like? 100 tons of e-waste means that on a daily basis, there is a three-ton lorry uh, that comes into the country uh, every day. So uh, 30 days times three tons is, is around 90 tons. So that would be around uh, 30 to 35 lorries uh, parked next to each other. So that's actually quite a lot. And at the moment, the reports say that there are hundreds of plants that are actually processing this waste. Um, what shortcuts are often taken and how does improper disposal impact the surrounding environment? So uh, the shortcuts taken is, for example, open burning. So instead of properly peeling the plastic from the wires, uh, they would take a shortcut and just um, uh, light it on fire. And then uh, let you know the black smoke uh, fly into the air, and then later at the end of the combustion, the metal fibers will be remaining, which then can be uh, sold for for income. Uh, so this is just one of the examples. Um, uh, another example is that uh, at the end of any recycling process, there will be a small amount of residual waste left. Uh, which, uh, according to the regulation in Malaysia by the Jabatan Alam Sekitar, needs to be depolluted by the licensed processors. So it means that if uh, you are uh, processing properly, uh, let's say that uh, you have uh, one ton, you will usually recover uh, up to 90% of that one ton, but there will uh, remain around 100 kg that is known as residual waste that you need to process uh, to become inert and 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 to depollute it before you're able to deposit this uh, 10% uh, into, uh, for example, the landfill. Uh, so uh, in this case, uh, these illegal plants, of course, don't comply with this. Uh, so whenever they have residual waste, they will just go and find some random spot that, you know, that is away from, from ice, and then they will just uh, dump it. And that, of course, will cause further contamination to water, soil, and, and, and air. So can you take us through what actually happens when e-waste recycling is done properly? What should what should that process look like? So uh, this is um, the regulation, the regulatory framework for uh, processing e-waste properly is well established in Malaysia. I think there is uh, 61 licensed processors by the Jabata Alam Sektar all around the country. And um, the funny thing is that uh, most of these processors are not operating at capacity. So they would be able to handle larger amounts of e-waste, but because of the illegal processors uh, are basically um, operating without uh, any regard to, uh, you know, proper environmental practices. So perhaps they are able to compensate for the material 
um, you know, higher rate than the, the, the ones who do it properly, because the ones who do it properly need to comply with all kinds of environmental rules um, and, and they need to depollute the residual waste, as I said, and so on. Uh, so they uh, are limited uh, in, into how much they can pay for the material, whereas the ones who do it illegally, they don't they don't have these expenses. So they are basically able to purchase the material at a higher rate. So what happens if uh, things are done properly? Um, uh, as I said, uh, it is um, very, very well monitored. So the amounts of e-waste that are being processed are monitored by the Jawata Alam Sekita. They, they are able to audit and check that the uh, amount of residual waste that is generated in the end uh, is corresponding to the original amount of vol the volume, the original volume that uh, has been received in the first place. Um, and, and then, of course, they ensure that, uh, uh, as I said, the, the residual waste is, is depolluted uh, and, and that no uh, environmental damage uh, happens during the recovery process. And what makes it different from recycling other products or other materials? What makes it uh, different, in my opinion, is that um, e-waste uh, is what I would call the, the Rolls Royce of waste. Um, because there is precious metals and, and uh, rare earth metals inside, uh, there is a financial incentive uh, to process. Uh, like, um, I think that uh, it is, if it wasn't valuable, uh, they would not go through the trouble of shipping 100 tons of it per month uh, into the country. So clearly there is some financial motive. Uh, and, and I think that is because uh, e-waste intrinsically has uh, these precious metals inside, which is not the case in, for example, plastic, paper, and some of the other types of recyclable waste. So as you've said, there are byproducts that can be yielded from e-waste. Um, as a business, is this how you make profit from recycling? So uh, in reality, um, Earth, the company that I that I run, um, actually uh, doesn't earn its income from the material recovery of the e-waste itself, uh, because we are paying such high rates to the general public and to businesses in order to recycle their e-waste with us that uh, whatever we recover from the materials, mm -hmm. it just barely covers uh, the cost that we have paid in the first place. So how do we generate income? We generate income by uh, harvesting spare parts and repairing some devices, which then we are able to sell to generate income, but we do not uh, generate uh, income uh, or rather profit from uh, the material recovery in the e-waste itself. So since there's profit to be made, why don't countries process or manage their own e-waste? So I think uh, this takes me back to 2018. Uh, that was the year when uh, it came to my attention that after China banned the import of e-waste, uh, China has been importing e-waste for, for two decades. And then suddenly it decided that uh, we do not want to be, uh, you know, the, the, the dump of the rest of the world. And they banned the imports of waste. So uh, much of that waste started to find its way to other countries, including Malaysia. And that was around the time when I was researching how I can contribute to uh, solving this problem. So I think um, what happened is that when China changed its position, uh, that took many countries by surprise because many of those countries, um, they got used to shipping their e-waste to China for a long time that they did not develop their own infrastructure for collecting and processing e-waste locally. 
And that's why they have no choice. They don't have, as I said, in Malaysia, there are 61 licensed processors. Uh, there are many countries around the world that do not have uh, similar uh, similar amount of uh, of licensed processors. Even our neighbors in the neighboring countries, if you if you look at uh, Thailand, Indonesia, and, and some of the uh, some of the developed countries, they do not have the infrastructure for collection. And I think the that is actually the the, the problem that Earth is solving uh, is that we focus on solving the collection bottleneck um, to enable our processing partners to receive large volumes of e-waste in a legal way, instead of them having to go to import it from outside to keep their factory running, but rather we would generate these large amounts of e-waste uh, locally uh, so that uh, they, they basically can stay uh, in business. So I think, um, what, you know, another question could be asked is that why do these processors uh, rely on these imported material in the first place? Uh, can't they find material locally? Well, actually, it all goes down to uh, collection um, because the material that comes through container, it's all right there, aggregated in one place. So it's easy for them to just go take the container and then start processing a large amount of material at once. Uh, whereas if they were requested to um, collect a similar amount locally, then they would have to go through the logistics and the warehouse uh, to collect uh, this this uh, amount uh, from many locations, and and that is a burden that many of them uh, do not want to carry. So some recycling industry players are calling for the imports to be legalized so that the waste can be then managed according to industry standards. What are your thoughts on this? Is it feasible? Um, I would understand if I was an investor who invested like millions of dollars into a processing factory. Uh, and uh, I'm now I'm talking about the good guys, you know, the licensed ones. And then somehow I'm not getting enough material because much of the material in the market ends up uh, at these illegal processors. So I don't have enough material to keep my factory running. I'm operating at less than capacity, which is the case for most of the processors in Malaysia. Um, so I would understand, um, you know, kind of the appetite uh, to say, oh, let's legalize and and at least let me, um, you know, get the material from other countries if I am not able to get it uh, locally. But in my opinion, I don't think that would be very good for Malaysia uh, because it will uh, not give them an incentive to solve the, the problem of e-waste. I mean, I mean, the e-waste of Malaysia itself, the e-waste generated locally uh, can easily be neglected. And then uh, the local e-waste would easily end up in the landfills if all the processes start to uh, just process the imported material. So in my opinion, that, that would not be good uh, environmentally and, and definitely not, not for uh, the Malaysian uh, society and in the long term, not for the Malaysian economy either. Now, back in 2019, the then government said it would ship back 3,000 tonnes of plastic waste to their countries of origin. Do you think a similar approach here could help? Yes, I definitely think that uh, this, uh, you know, it's not actually about uh, you know, like uh, the material itself, like um, when the 3,000 tons of plastic were sent. Uh, of course, that did not solve the entire uh, problem of uh, illegal uh, importation of plastic, but it was uh, an important symbolic gesture uh, that I think sends the message out to the developed countries that uh, don't treat us as your garbage dump. Uh, and then 
uh, it will uh, give them an incentive to uh, develop local infrastructure to collect and process this material uh, locally. So I think Malaysia would be would do good uh, for itself to send this message by sending the containers back. So this particular issue is about e-waste coming in from other countries. But on the home front, what can we be doing better to consider? Uh, what can we be doing better considering the amount of e-waste that we accumulate in our daily lives? So, uh, you know, I always say that, um, you know, the official uh, recycling rate in Malaysia, according to the Jabatan Arms sector, is around 25%. Uh, the, the highest nation uh, in Southeast Asia has a 45% recycling rate. So I always say that uh, uh, it's only a matter of willpower and awareness here in Malaysia if uh, the whole population overnight uh, decides to uh, you know double its recycling, then we will already jump to number one recycling nation in Southeast Asia. So I think the infrastructure is already there. As I said, 61 processors, they're operating under capacity so they can easily handle more material as well as the support from the Jabhat al-Alam Sekitar. Uh, I think that there is some draft legislation which uh, makes it, uh, you know, kind of a more incentive for collectors and more incentive for processors to uh, handle uh, this uh, local e-waste, uh, in addition to some awareness campaigns by, by the government towards the population. So I think all of these things work in concert uh, to slowly raise the recycling rate. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if within five to 10 years, we do see uh, this doubling of Malaysia's recycling rate, uh, which is, of course, would be um, a great thing for all the players in the industry. Mo, thanks for speaking with us. That was Mohamed El Fatatri, founder and managing hero at Earth. Uh, they're a company that specializes in the collection and management of e-waste. And we've been speaking about reports uh, that tons of e-waste are being imported illegally into the country. Let us know. Are you concerned about this? You can call us. You can WhatsApp us. You can send us a voice note or tweet us. And in the meantime, here's Eddie Cochran with Come On Everybody, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.